The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I hit up Twitter early Monday morning asking you guys for questions for the Talk of Champions mailbag. And boy, oh boy. Did you guys deliver? I can understand. Ole Miss losing to Memphis left a bad taste in pretty much everybody's mouths. So let's do the autopsy together, shall we? Before we do, let me tell you real quick about my bookie, one of the many proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with my bookie if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of person that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season, the college football season, is the best time of the year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And now, it's the Talk of Champions mailbag. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's 
It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter in the guest co-host chair answering all of your Ole Miss or non-Ole Miss. I haven't looked at them yet. Questions as David Brandt, no longer the Mississippi AP reporter. Now he's out in Phoenix, Arizona. You having a good time out there, buddy? I am. I'll tell you what, this was my first weekend. West Coast SEC football at 9 a.m. is changing my life. It's amazing. Like you wake up, you get the coffee going. Football starts super early out here. I'm telling you, West Coast is where it's at as far as watching sports. Everything gets over early. Everything's early in the day. It was it was pretty awesome. Cardinals, Diamondbacks, and Suns, right? Yeah, those are my main things. The uh, you know the Cardinals, obviously, they got their first game on Sunday against the Lions, and then uh, the Diamondbacks are actually playing good baseball right now. They've won seven of eight and uh, took three of four from the Dodgers this weekend, and so it's been. Uh, it's just been fun. It's been a good change of pace. Good. Uh, I, I miss Mississippi, obviously, but it's just fun to do something else and, and cover some pro sports. Made any friends out there yet? You know, no one likes me. No, no. It's going to take me oh. years to make friends. It took me like it took us five years to become friends. Is that that's true? Not true. That's not no, true. that's not true. That's not true. Yeah, maybe you were kind of a dick. Maybe. I don't know. No, nah, not really. You were just young. You were like, what, 14 like working at that radio? No, you were in college. Yeah. When I first met you. Yeah. I think you were my first guest on my Rebel Radio sports show. Probably so. That that makes sense. Yeah. That's how I used to get in with people and get let them get to know me as I'd invite them on as a guest, ask them asinine questions, and then we would become friends. And then years later we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Because in the <laughs> mailbag, there is But I, I better after watching that game, I mean I figured the mailbag would be uh raucous shall we say some 50 questions in this edition of the talk of champions mailbag and david and i are going to try to get to every single one of them talk of champions is brought to you in part by impact by ironwood business owners did you know you can support old miss athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment that's right impact by ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the old miss athletics foundation in your name the best part is you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. www.impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. First, before we get into the mailbag, David, you said you watched the Memphis game. What were your impressions? It didn't go particularly well. Um, I do think there were some positives. The defense, I think, looked much better than it had in the past. I just think there's some growing pains. You always you get excited through training camp and everything about young players and and people like, you know, Matt Corral and everything like that. And there's it, it's just not always going to be a smooth transition. So you know, obviously, it wasn't this time. The offense got going a little bit later on, but hey, it's just going to be a process with this. I think. The most startling thing to me, yes, the offensive line was bad, but you kind of knew that they were going to have their bumps and bruises. There was going right. to be some ups and downs. I was more alarmed by how wide-eyed and erratic Matt Corral was. Yeah, I do think that I understand why people were excited about him and everything like that. And I think I, I don't think it's the end of the world for them. I think he still has a very bright future. It's just one game. But – I do think there was a little bit of Ole Miss didn't really have another option going into this year. You understand what I'm saying? Like he was it. I mean, and so they kind of have to sink or swim by him, but it's not like he necessarily just 
won the job. It was sort of handed to him in some ways. And so I, I think that people got a little hot on him just from a very small sample size. Another thing that stuck out, I was surprised by the lack of imagination in the initial game of Rich Rodriguez. That offense looked nothing like what I expected it to look like. Not that I expected them to come out and set the world on fire, but I think my buddy Bennett Hipp, who's co-hosted this show a number of times, made a good point. I had a lot of scenarios that went through my head when trying to predict Ole Miss Memphis, but the Ole Miss defense holding that team to 13 points and losing because the offense couldn't move the ball against that defense, that was not one of them. Right. And and maybe it's just because we've been so used to watching Ole Miss football over the last several years. I mean, if Ole Miss lost, I very much expected it to be 38 to 31, not 15 to 10. You know what I mean? I, I thought they'd score some points. I, I thought there, they might fight turnovers just because, you know, Corral would be, again, a little nervous first real game as the starter. And, and then the defense would struggle to hold Memphis. But really, it was the other way around. The defense more then held its own. I, I thought it did a really nice job for the most part. And then the Ole Miss offense, just like you said, and, and you wonder if that lack of imagination, like you talked about, is because Rich Rodriguez lacks imagination or just because he just wasn't confident that they could do much right now. Either way, it's, it's, it's a little disconcerting. You better hope it's the latter more than the former, because if it's the former, that means that college football has passed Rich Rod by. And if that's the case, they're toast. Right. I mean, there's just not much fixing the first one. And I think Rich Rodriguez has enough of a track record. I don't think he forgot how to coach overnight. And he's had a lot of solid offenses at a lot of different places. I I don't think that's the case. So I, I think it's more of the latter and more of just the game was weird. It just dictated certain things that they could just never get on a roll. I mean, you look at their, their yards their you know, they only ran what 52 plays. It was just, it was a disjointed performance that just never really got started for them. They never got into any kind of rhythm. You never felt like they were getting something going. Yes, they were running the ball better, but they were doing it with seven, five, two and a half, five, seven yard gains. It wasn't like they were getting big chunk plays. They got a few, but they weren't really moving the ball with any type of danger, if that makes sense. But I will say this. Defensively, they looked really good. Much, much, much improved. Look, Mike McIntyre can really coach defense. The guy's been around the block. He's been with the Cowboys. He knows how to coach defense. So he expected to see them improve. I was still stunned to see how much they had improved. And we'll get more into that in the mailbag. Last thing before we jump into it. Arkansas struggled with Portland State. And that team, I I honestly hadn't even heard of them until Arkansas played them on Saturday. So Vaught-Hemingway Stadium Saturday, the SEC opener for both teams, could be something, I guess. I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, as much as there's going to be some snark and and people like joking about that because of the lackluster performances of both teams in week one – It also just honestly is a huge game for both programs, especially for Ole Miss, since obviously that's what we're talking about most of the time. If you lose both of these games back to back, boy, it just it's an awfully tough sledding the rest of the way. And and certainly it it looks like a bowl game is is totally out of the picture. And so I, I just think from a confidence standpoint, from a good news standpoint, from having something to play for, and I know we're in the second week. That sounds ridiculous, but you understand what I'm saying? No, it's true. Are talking bowl games, a lot of that. I'm not saying it totally goes out the window, but it's really hard to find six wins if you can't beat Arkansas on Saturday. No, I say it's completely out the window. I don't think that's in any way unfair. I think it's done. If you don't win Saturday. 
it could get ugly really, really fast. It'll already be ugly, but I'm talking two and ten. Yeah, you could see a path to three and nine, two and ten. And and that was the one scenario that we've talked about. Job security, things like that for people like Matt Luke. They can go five and seven as long as they show some promise and win the games they're supposed to. But if you start going three and nine, two and ten, you you really start forcing people's hands and and really kind of rock a fan base that that already is not in the best mood right now. It's time to open the modern woman mailbag. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does Modern Woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. It's mailbag time. Mail time. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up. Movies are great. It's time to open the mailbag. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's David Brandt at David Brandt AP. The Twitter handle has not changed. The title has. No longer the AP reporter from Mississippi. He's out in Phoenix, Arizona now covering the Cardinals, covering the D-backs, the Suns. He's got a cushy job. Just needs the family to get out there so he's not too bored and hanging out with me on a random Monday night recording for this Tuesday podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. But if we're not there, just hit me up on Twitter at Spirit Ben. Tell me and I'll make sure to get it there. I also write for the Oma Spirit. OmSpirit.com and a field of 247 Sports. First question, Miss underscore Reb. Did I lose my money by betting on Ole Miss to go over five and a half wins? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that I'm not saying it's impossible, but you're, uh, you're it, it doesn't look good. Where do the six wins come from after that performance on Saturday? What can you confidently predict outside of Selah? I think who they play and that other cupcake. Who else can you New confidently Mexico predict? State. Yeah, right. If you don't beat Arkansas, there's almost no path because you you just at that point you can't feel confident against any SEC team. I mean, you could argue that Vanderbilt could happen. But if you can't beat Arkansas, there's certainly no guarantee you're beating Vanderbilt. And so really the only ones you would feel good about that are southeastern Louisiana. I mean, maybe Cal, maybe. But I mean, again, you don't feel great about that one either if you can't beat Arkansas. At Blake underscore McMinn, why do you think all these fans are freaking out when everyone knew this season was going to probably be three to five wins? People need to get behind the team instead of trying to tear people down. This isn't the year to talk about firing people. Don't you agree? I don't agree at all. What did you expect? The NCAA absolutely wrecked this program. And now fans are apathetic 
to a point where it's dangerous, that you might not be able to get a lot of them back. Not only is the on the field product suffering and having fallen off since 2015 when they won the Sugar Bowl, but now you have an administration that's completely absent. It's interim, interim, interim chancellor with Larry Sparks, interim AD with Keith Carter in the previous administration, Jeffrey Vitter, who was a disaster, and Ross Bjork. These fans feel lied to. How many more hits can they take? Now, I applaud and, and appreciate those of you who are ride or die no matter what happens, but any reasonable human being can understand why the casual Ole Miss fan who wants to use sports as what they should be used for, and that is a release and escape from the everyday monotony of life and enjoy something. They don't want to be tied up in this misery, so how can you fault them for being upset? I don't blame them at all. Yeah, what I think people are mostly worried about, not just the fact that the team does not look very good right now because they didn't on Saturday, but I, I think you talked about the administration issues. You talked about the NCAA issues. You're worried that this turns into a decade-long malaise. You know what I mean? That this turns into something bigger. And it's obviously not the same situation, but you look at what's going on at Tennessee right now. You look at how long that fan base and how long that program has been down, especially like relative to its somewhat recent history. I mean, they won a national title when I was in high school. I know Ole Miss hasn't won a national title, but relative, relatively speaking, you do not want to go through a 10, 15 year period of ineptitude because you, you didn't make the right decisions in 2019. A lot of fans are concerned that this pit that they're in, this pit of irrelevancy is going to be a forever thing. That there's going to be right. no or at end least a long sight. time. Yeah, yeah. That there's several years of this, and that's where, you know, especially because the fan base there was, they won the Sugar Bowl. I mean, they were they were really nationally relevant for a three or four year period, and they got a taste of that, and it was fun. I mean, uh, very honestly, it's fun for writers. It's fun for journalists. It's fun to go to New Orleans for yeah, four nights. I'd rather go to and, New Orleans and, and get drunk and gamble and watch good football than this. It's better for everybody. I mean, as a journalist, you root for the story, but a lot of times the story is when the program is good. I understand why people are like, I don't really want to tune in to watch my team lose to Memphis and kind of look bad on offense while doing it. That makes sense. And put yourself in their shoes as far as the firing and hiring situation. The head coach, fair or not, is Matt Luke, and he's considered an extension of all that trouble, fair or not, from a couple of years ago. It was an unimaginative hire. And, I, and it's not, I will say this one time, everyone likes Matt Luke. You want to see him succeed you know, from a personal standpoint because he's great a good dude, guy. But this is business. Yeah. And it's just really, it's a tough job. And you just wonder if, if he's cut out for it. A lot of people out there are looking for a complete reset. They want to see the program stripped down and built back up like it was under Hugh Freeze. And I don't blame them. You watch Scott Satterfield with Louisville playing Notre Dame close after a 2-10 and ten year. You see different head coaches that would have taken this job performing in year one, if not winning, at least they're being competitive. What was competitive about Memphis? What was competitive? Defensively, yes. I'm talking offensively. What was competitive? That was Ole Miss's calling card for four years. At least they have the offense. Yeah, at least they were interesting. Yeah. They were fun, if they, even if they lost. I don't blame people for feeling that way. So, no, I don't agree. At DRJL Rutherford, seven. Offense wasn't good, but did anyone else not see all the missed and bogus calls by the refs? Different game with better refs. We all acknowledge that. I acknowledge that on Twitter. 
It's like people forget, had Sam Williams not been called for a bogus roughing the passer and a bogus face mask, that drive ends, it ends up in a touchdown. But that last one, the roughing the passer, was on a third and 17, and it wasn't roughing. Later in the game, Matt Corral was roughed more than Brady White ever was, and there was no call, and the drive ended, I think, in a punt. But that drive with Sam Williams, that's seven points. And what was the final score? 15 to 10. That doesn't happen. Maybe it's a completely different ball game. Maybe Ole Miss wins 10 to 8. There were certainly some things that didn't help them. And and you talked about that one call in particular. And of course, a win, anytime you win, people would feel a lot better. There'd be a different feeling around the program. I'm not denying that. But a lot of these same problems would still kind of be there, just not quite as pressing, obviously. It's not like those calls, had they been reversed, would still excuse 42 offensive yards in the first half against Memphis. Right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, the the offense looking bad, like that's still, that stuff doesn't change. And I agree, it's a lot easier to stomach when you win a game. But I, I still think the the overarching issues would be there. Jimmy Meeks at Jim Bo Meeks. Why did Rich Rod not utilize Phillips and Ely for swing passes into the flat to use their running ability? I had that very same question. The only reason that I could come up with, any rationality I could come up with, because Rich Rod, you ask him that question pointedly, he's not going to answer it. That's just how he is, and that's fine. He took a lot of blame, and he accepted blame for how the offense performed at Memphis. Said in the postgame, it's on me, it's on me, so good for him. But as far as pointed questions schematically, he's not going to go there. But I had that same question, and the only rational explanation that I could come up with is that he didn't trust his offensive line. That's it. He didn't trust his offensive line, so they were running basic stuff just to try to get something going. Yeah, I think that was probably part of it. And just probably I, I would assume that the game, the way it unfolded, surprised him too. You know what I mean? You always go in like feeling you can do certain things and they just weren't able to do much of anything. And I think that you can get, again, out of rhythm, discombobbled. And when he talks about that it's his fault, it's on him, I can't get inside his head. But I'm sure that's some of it that in the moment you just didn't. The game just unfolds differently than you imagine and you get a little off your game. At Star Reb. Why didn't they use the aggressive rush against them? Screen passes, sprint out passes, reverses, misdirection, etc. Again, I don't know, other than they didn't trust their offensive line. I don't know if they trusted Matt Corral that much when they saw him getting live bullets to make the right decision in those situations. Matt Corral did not look good, did not look good at all. So, yeah, the offensive line was bad. Yes, the play calling was bad. Yes, the offense overall was bad. Matt Corral is a part of that, and he's not excused from it. Yeah, I mean, I agree. When when your quarterback's struggling and, and there's just a lot of things that you would like to do that you're a little worried about doing as far as somewhat risky plays. At D Hardwood 176, why do coaches insist on going fast tempo when they are only getting three and outs? Wouldn't it be better to slow it down, let the defense catch their breath if you aren't going to get a first down? Last year, our offense didn't help our defense. Do you think that continues? Uh, does it really change anything if you're still going three and out even if you slow it down there was nothing they could do in the first half to move the ball had they even slowed it down what good would that have served they didn't even go particularly fast in the first half they couldn't do anything they couldn't run basic plays to gain a yard in the running game they were stuck in third and long over and over and over in the first half all because they couldn't do anything on first and second down so even if you slow it down how much does that help your defense? They still pitched a shutout in the second half. 
Yeah. And I think as a team, when you try to establish a mentality, we're going to run, we're going to do tempo or we're going to be a more deliberate offense, whatever you decide, you kind of have to do that. It's not like that changes on game day when, oh, we're going to try to give our defense rest. The personality of your team is is the personality. And so I, I think when Ole Miss is, is going well, it's a fairly fast tempo offense that can do those things and it looks better. But you can't just suddenly change what you are because things aren't going well. You've got to continue to do it. At Zone Buster 13, if Ole Miss starts one and three, do you feel Matt Luke makes it through the season? A lot involved. Interim AD, interim chancellor, fan discourse. That's the question, isn't it, David? We'll get right back to David Brandt, Associated Press reporter, on this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Grove Sharks tailgating and the Lamar, Oxford's one and only traditional neighborhood. The Ole Miss football season has arrived. It's here. And Grove Sharks tailgating can take care of all your game day needs. Locally owned and operated, Grove Sharks tailgating specializes in tent rentals, and setup packages that can accommodate parties and gatherings of all sizes. For more information, visit Grove Sharks Tailgating at GroveSharks.com and like them on Facebook at Grove Sharks or contact owner Eric Trimble at 662-816-3493. The Lamar, Oxford's only traditional neighborhood, is under construction. Brought to you by John Welty Realty. A traditional neighborhood means right where you live. A grocery store, a brewery, restaurants, Shops, all within walking distance of your front door. But what about the houses? They're custom high-end spec houses. Beautiful finishes, open concept, modern two-story houses. If you're looking for a three-bedroom, a two-bedroom, a one-bedroom, you'll find a fit with any of these three spacious layouts. Get in with the Lamar right now. Build-out is happening. For more information, contact John Welty at john at johnweltyrealty.com. That's john at johnweltyrealty.com. Or give them a call at 662-23-HOMES. 662-23-HOMES. And now, back to Talk of Champions. Yeah, I just don't see too many scenarios where Matt Luke would get fired in the middle of the season because I just don't know what that would help. The things that usually get a coach fired midseason are just total like disarray of how the program it's not just losing. It's just a program totally in disarray. And so I've yet to see that. So it would take a really weird scenario, I think, for Luke not to survive the season. I don't think it would take anything weird. What's fan attendance like? Are they losing money on the cash cow that is football? If they're not making money, if people aren't showing up, yeah, I think he could get fired. I think 2-10 and ten could easily doom him. I think well, Keith, I think he could after the season. I was just talking. I just don't see, know yeah. if midseason that's going to happen. Now, if he did get fired midseason, which I'm like you, I'd be surprised if that happened. But if it did happen, all the conversation was about, oh, he hired his replacement in Rich Rod. No, 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 no. The replacement is Mike McIntyre. He's done it. He's won it. He knows this school. He's been here before, and his unit looked vastly improved on Saturday. Now, that's a really small sample. They could regress. They could be terrible from here on out. I don't know. But Mike McIntyre seems the obvious replacement now. Yeah, on September 2nd right now, <laughs> he would be the leader in the clubhouse. No no question. And the question I have is, if you're that bad, if you're one in three, whatever, and no one's going to the games, you mean to tell me that a Keith Carter, Larry Sparks, whoever makes that decision, it'd be Keith. Keith doesn't look and say, I wonder if a Mike McIntyre-led football team would inspire a little more excitement, would get people in the stands just to see something different. And I'm not convinced that that wouldn't be 
the ultimate decision that he makes. I don't think it's totally out of the realm of possibility, like I said, if they really start that poorly. But I just I think it's unlikely. I think they run the course this year and then maybe if it's a disaster, they could they could make a change. Either way, if Ole Miss had a permanent AD or chancellor in the building right now, it's more of a realistic conversation. Yes, it would be. The the seat would be getting pretty warm if there were a little more continuity with leadership right now. I agree with that. At nsmith022, can Matt Luke be fired today? Well, yeah. I mean, he can. Technically, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, I mean, that is possible. Sure. At Smith 3 our boy BJ Smith, did we really think the Rich Rod offense was going to be any better than Longo's get-open air raid? I think there was a hope and expectation and a track record that his run-oriented version of the spread would be more effective and would allow them to produce the same kind of yards between the 20s and also fix the one glaring hole, which was score in the red zone once you get there. But Saturday was not an encouraging sign at all. Let me defend Phil Longo for a second. They did a lot of times gain a lot of yards and score some points. Now, obviously, in the red zone, there were issues. I, I think with Rich Rod, you just hope for the things, like you said, that were so frustrating about Longo's offense, the struggles in the 20s, the inability, either three and out or a touchdown in two plays. Some of that inconsistency would be solved with a little more of a balanced offense. And instead of Longo's offense being kind of lopsided, this just didn't have any side at all. And so I, I think that was the frustration was not only was it not better than Phil Longo's offense, it was worse, at least for one weekend. I hate the whole comparison. Both things can be true to say Rich Rodriguez had a bad debut and Phil Longo sucks. Let's not pretend like Ole Miss didn't have generational talent on offense last year, and it was wasted. Look at the offensive numbers. Yes, the production, the yards, and things of that nature, they were astronomical. But when it came to nut-cutting time and getting it done and scoring, they didn't have it. They were among the worst in the SEC. Middle of the pack, if not worse, in the country. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Both things can be true. The constant comparison of the two is asinine. Phil Longo did not need to be the offensive coordinator anymore. He was not going to be the offensive coordinator anymore. Now you start asking, was Rich Rod the right replacement for Phil Longo? That's the question. It's not, oh, can we get Phil Longo back? Why the hell would you want that guy back? Look at what he did with generational talent. What do you think he was going to do with Matt Corral and this talent? So the question is not, can we get Phil Longo back to replace Rich Rod? It's, was Rich Rodriguez the right replacement for him? That needs to be the conversation. Stop bringing up Phil Longo. He was a disaster in the areas in which he needed to be really good. Yes, they put up a lot of yards. Yes, they could be really fun. But how dependent were they on DK and AJ going out and making a ridiculous play? How often did they sustain drives? Dawson Knox is knocking on the door already to be the starting tight end for the Buffalo Bills. He had, what, 12 catches last year? He was a non-factor. So let's not pretend like Phil Longo was this God's gift to offense. I like Phil a lot, but again, this is business. Even the most stubborn coach would have to admit his flaws, and I think Phil could admit that last year there were flaws, and they were his fault. So the fit was bad, and it needed to be rectified. Did Matt Luke rectify it correctly? That remains to be seen. Yeah, I agree. At Bill Mackey, why no screens, very few speed sweeps, why not more shallow crossing routes? Where was the quarterback option? Again, I don't know. I guess 
they just didn't trust the offensive line. Kind of already addressed this question. But also, I don't know how much they trusted the quarterback with the way he was playing. They do need to add more misdirection. You saw a lot of that in the preseason. So, David, you have to expect that you're going to see more of that as the year goes on. When it comes into respective game planning for one game, it just, again, I'm sure they went into a, a, the game with a way they thought they could attack Memphis. It obviously wasn't working, and they got out of sync, and nothing was working. And again, I feel like a little bit of a broken record right now, but I, I just I would, I would give it a few more weeks before saying Rich Rod doesn't have that in his arsenal. At RZ Wig, is the best part of waking up really Folgers in your cup? I don't drink coffee anymore. I quit it because I used to dip a lot, which is really stupid. But when you dip and you drink coffee, you won't believe how bad it is on your teeth. So is Folgers, Mr. Coffee Drinker, really the best part of waking up? I, I wouldn't say there's better ways to wake up, but I, Folgers is okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a coffee snob. In fact, I'm looking right now at the Airbnb I'm staying at in uh, – Chandler, Arizona, right outside of Phoenix, the person's place, she had Folgers. And so I've been drinking Folgers the last few days. It's fine. My wife has become a Keurig snob. You love oh, really? that when you used to go to the Ole Miss basketball games. There's David by the Keurig. <laughs> well, that's because they played every game at like one in the morning. And so, and I had to that's drive true. back to Jackson afterwards. So I had to load up on coffee, but there were no Folgers Keurig pods in there. She likes the Green Mountain Blueberry. So now because we're adults, what do you think I got it for Christmas? Like a box of 20 of those Green Mountains. That cost a hell of a lot of money. Those Keurig pods, they ain't cheap. No, no, they can add up. If you and there's more than one coffee drinker in the house, I think it's more economical to just get in a bag and yeah. do it that way. Yeah. At Clay T. Jason, in your opinion, how many years for the Matt Luke experiment, assuming each year is basically like Groundhog's Day? Well, let's assume that this year goes poorly. Three and nine, four wins, two and ten. Next year's it if he stays. I think the delineation for me, at least, just thinking about this is the three and nine, four and eight. If he can figure out a way to win four games, everybody knew, again, that this year was probably not going to be amazing. With that said, you want to see some steps forward. And so... Anyway, it, there's just so many moving parts with a new AD. Uh, we, we've talked about this. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a what have you done for me now business. And Matt needs to do something for Ole Miss fans soon. At the Todd Watkins, any chance we just saw a fraction of the offense because of the offensive line situation? Didn't see many different sets, misdirection, speed sweeps like I expected. It's like the fourth question with this. Never threw a slant or hitched the whole game. I do think, yes, that – you could have very well seen a very small fraction of what the offense is and what it can be. Your quarterback was playing poorly. Your offensive line couldn't protect. It took a whole half to make adjustments with the run game, which we'll get into in just a little bit because I think there's a question about that. Um, yeah, I, I think there is a good chance that that's the case, but that's concerning when you had a spring of most of these guys in the offense and then a fall camp, and you have to go into the first game against Memphis, who's not any good, and try to simplify things and cut it down in order to be effective at all. Right. I think the coaching staff at least seemed from watching the game a little hamstrung in what they could do, but that's sort of still the coaching staff's fault because you're, you're recruiting the talent, you're developing the talent. And so if you can't run certain things with a relatively healthy team, then that just doesn't bode well for the next 11 games. At Rebel Roadrunner, is the Ole Miss fan base blowing this loss out of proportion 
Should we be more cognizant of how the sanctions are catching up with Ole Miss? Of course, the sanctions are catching up with Ole Miss, but are they blowing it out of proportion? What do you expect? What what should they be doing? If you were standing there and somebody was poking you over and over and over, and they did it for four years, just sitting there poking you, at what point do you turn to them and say, what the hell are you doing? And or pop them in the mouth. At what point is enough enough for you? And it's okay to be a loyal fan and also be frustrated by this. These have been very unique years. Unlike anything I've certainly ever seen, I've been around Ole Miss sports my entire 33 years of existence. So it's okay for people to be upset. If you look at the path, Memphis was a part of that path to bowl eligibility. And that's so important for Matt Luke and this program trying to get to six wins, get to a bowl for recruiting, for momentum, for your fan base, to get people back, to build some of that trust that has eroded significantly over four years. All of that matters. So no, they're not blowing it out of proportion because at this point, they've been poked enough. They just want to enjoy competitive football on Saturdays, and they're not getting it. When people stop caring about losing to Memphis, that's when you're going to have a real problem. Yep, it's perfectly put. We'll jump right back into the talk of Champions Mailbag after I tell you briefly about the Oxford Park Commission and Cheney's Pharmacy. The Oxford Park Commission is currently registering for youth flag football in the fall baseball season. Leagues are open for ages 6 to 12 in football and 6 to 15 in baseball. Cost to sign up for football is $50, while it's just $40 for baseball. Each sport will be played at FNC Park. For more details, visit www.oxfordparkcommission.com. That's www.oxfordparkcommission.com. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. At Hunt Kenneberg, in your opinion, what was hurting the offense most against Memphis? O-line, play calling, corral. I'd rank it O-line, corral, and play calling. I don't know. The play calling was terrible, especially that sack. Don't even let me get into that sack. My God, what a bad call. I'm glad Rich Rod admitted in the postgame that was a bad call. (laughs) That was a really bad call. You had a free release either linebacker or DN coming in on your quarterback. You didn't even have extra protection. You lined up in shotgun in your own end zone after you'd been running the ball effectively in the second half. Don't let me get started on that. But I would put the O-line first. They couldn't protect against Memphis. Michael Howard, who had a really good fall camp, according to all people involved, looked completely out of his element at tackle. The entire offensive line, the guys you counted on to be dominant, Ben Brown and Alex Givens, they weren't. Alex Givens, he was on a snap count. It's understandable he's been hurt. Hadn't done much of anything since April. Ben Brown didn't have that type of impact. Royce Newman didn't do all that much. Eli Johnson didn't do all that much. So the offensive line, then Matt Corral's inability to create plays on his own. Even Jordan Tiamu, Chad Kelly, Bo Wallace, when things broke down, they could do things on their own. Bo Wallace played behind an offensive line that featured Emmanuel McCray and his broken, degenerate knees for all 12 games and produced. And Matt Corral in game one, he looked like he had nothing. Yeah, I would kind of rank them in the order that it's all connected, but 
Yes. At Gunboat Dave, how does the improvement offensively from the first half to the second half encourage you? Also, can we talk about the play-action call that led to the safety? I think I touched on that. That was a (laughs) terrible call. It doesn't encourage me, and this is why. Rich Ross said he noticed an adjustment needed to be made. What Memphis was doing up front, they were stunting their defensive linemen. And Ole Miss was trying to run inside zone at that stunt. You can't do it. So in the second half, they ran more gap scheme run plays and got away from inside zone and took advantage of those Memphis rushers who were darting upfield or slanting upfield, stunting upfield. And it worked. But if you saw it in the first half, why did it take you a halftime to adjust to it? That's one of the key responsibilities and supposed strengths of coaches, assistant coaches, coordinators, seeing the live action happen, making adjustments on the fly. And there were no adjustments made. They just kept trying to hit their head against a wall over and over and over and wonder why they've got a headache. When you've got two coordinators with a combined, what, 30 head, years of head coaching experience, you, you would hope. And, and again, McIntyre had a good game. And I, I think Rich Rod, the jury is out still. But yes, you expect you don't have to necessarily make adjustments at halftime. They go series to series. They go play to play. You've got to make those adjustments. At Jerome underscore Billy, have you ever been busted sneaking food into a movie like B.S. Rippy? No. And we snuck food into a movie theater recently when I took my wife and two kids to see The Lion King. Because now concessions, that's where they get you in movie theaters. They're astronomically high. My wife can go get some bunch of crunch from Dollar General for our kids for a dollar. But you go to the movie theater, the same box of bunch of crunch costs, what, four fifty? So if that's the worst of it, you get busted carrying food into a movie theater, so be it. I'll take the chance. Yeah, some of those purses are big enough that you could feed half the, the movie theater. I, I think it's a lot easier when, you, when you've got a, a lady friend with you with the purse. Yeah, my wife's carrying a duffel bag as a purse. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Sneaking I mean, in all day. It, it, makes the, it makes it much easier. At Jenny underscore Moyer, apparently some faction of the Ole Miss Twitter thinks Hugh Freeze would have magically won that game and had us on a way to a 7-6 and six season. True? No. The biggest tragedy of all this is that Hugh Freeze isn't here to answer for how he left this program. Instead, he gets to do the thing he loves to do the most, the thing, the card that he plays more than anything else, the victim card and lay up in a bed, a hospital bed, in the press box and coach Liberty against Syracuse. Look, Hugh Freeze and I had a rocky relationship. That's been well documented at this point. David had a rocky relationship with Hugh Freeze. Very few people had a perfect relationship, if anyone. I don't know if anyone had a perfect relationship with Hugh Freeze. But the fact that he doesn't have to answer for this and act like none of this is his fault, and then because of a staph infection that he says keeps him in a hotel. He can't go home, but he can go in a press box. It's all for show. It's the fakest thing ever. No, Hugh Freeze would have lost just like this. Who hired Phil Longo? Who hired Wesley McGriff? You don't think Hugh Freeze would have won this game? Wesley McGriff would have been his defensive coordinator. For all Did you watch Freeze's- that defense for two years? Yeah, but they would have won like 48 to 38 or something like that. You don't think if Freeze had been the coach the last few years that they wouldn't have beat? I think there's a lot higher probability that they would have. I'm not saying it would have happened, but, I mean, he won a lot of football games. They might have won that game, but 7-6 and six this year with this team. But that's not a fair quote because they wouldn't have had this exact team. No, they wouldn't. They would have probably missed out on Lakia Henry. They surely wouldn't have had Matt Corral. That was a Matt Luke special. There would have been a number of guys that wouldn't be here, so their quarterback would have been whoever the quarterback at Scuba is right now or was last year. 
I don't know, man. Hugh Freeze obviously has issues in the. <laughs> I still can't believe that game against Syracuse. That was one of the most bizarre things I had ever seen. But uh, obviously he has idiosyncrasies. But I think there's a good chance if Hugh Freeze had been the coach and it was 2019 with Freeze that they win this game. At Jenny underscore Moyer, how does the Memphis front seven compare to what Ole Miss will face this season? Oh, God. Alabama, Auburn, LSU. Come on. Memphis was maybe what? Generously ninth? Maybe. Yeah, it's not going to get a whole lot easier. That's for sure. I mean, I, I think Memphis is not a bad team, especially in their league, but Auburn's great up front. Alabama's good up front, like they always are. LSU usually has some pretty good Texas A&M. I mean, Mississippi State, there's players. It doesn't get any easier. At a true rebel underscore 99. Do you think this game was a fluke when it comes to the defense? I don't. And that's because, number one, I'm a big Mike McIntyre believer. But number two, Sam Williams showed out. Lakia Henry showed out. Jonathan Haynes had some busts. But when he arrived at the ball, he arrived in a bad mood. I liked a lot about what I saw from that defense. They were always around the ball. There were no real big plays, busts that happened. No bust happened in that game. And that's just yeah, something you didn't see at all last year in any game. Let's give Memphis – that's a good offensive team. We talked about their defensive front and saying maybe that's ninth. I think that offense has some pieces that are going to be – should be pretty good this year, and that defense looked good. So I was fascinated going into this year how much – because obviously they – played so bad the last year or two, you wondered how much was that talent? How much was that coaching? How much was that just not having a good scheme and confidence and all those different things? And I, I think you're, you're seeing right now, and it was just one game, but what good coaching and, and a good plan can do. No, I don't think it was a fluke at all. I think Mike McIntyre is that good. And I think defensively, they're going to be competitive all year. Now, whether or not that results in more wins or losses with this offense right now, I don't know. You put yeah, that defense be, with that offense from last year, they win seven, eight games last year. That defense yeah, is a that, year too late. That's the frustrating part about it if you're an old Miss. It state, it was the opposite. If you could have put a decent offense with that or a, with the defense they had, suddenly they're a, a 10-win team. But yeah, at Ole Miss, I mean, you, you had this offense, even with its struggles in the red zone. Still, if your defense could have held some people, you win a few more games. And so I would have, could have, should have. But yeah, that's frustrating. At Scott Pallant, I believe that Rich Rod is best when he is able to get into the faces of his offense and get them moving. I don't know what you base that off of, but okay. This isn't Luke's style. Do you believe it would be better to get him out of the box and on the sideline? I think this small change would have a huge impact on the game. David? I mean, after watching the offense that time, something needs to change. I guess it wouldn't hurt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you got to shake it up. And I do think Rich Rod has a little bit of a harder edge to him and everything. Maybe that's something they need. When you're on a, a hitless streak in baseball, change up your arm guard, change up your wristbands, change up your shirt. If something works, stick with it. Stick with the socks that when you were 0 for 24, you stepped into the box, you went 3 for 4. Stick with those socks, those shoes. Yeah, I'm not saying it will work, but yeah, something needs to change. Uh, that That's just as good of an answer as anything. At Lamont 2G, do you honestly see more than two or three wins on the schedule? No. Selah, New Mexico State. If you're confidently predicting a win in any other game, I don't know where you're finding your optimism. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll steal one somewhere, Cal, Vandy, Arkansas. But after that, then it's really hard to find a win. At R underscore Uno, assuming the defense plays competently all or a majority of the season, but the L's keep coming, chances of Luke getting gone and Mike McIntyre being named head coach. And if so, what's the soonest you see that happening? 
We touched on this earlier. It would have to be really, really bad. But who's making that decision? I do agree, however, that if it were to happen, that Mike McIntyre is the obvious replacement and not Rich Rodriguez. I was wrong. I was saying Rich Rodriguez. I don't know what I was basing that off of. Maybe it's just my disappointment or kind of disenchantment with Phil Longo and happy to see that Matt Luke made a change, a name change with Rich Rodriguez. But Mike McIntyre, yeah, he'd be the dude. He'd be the guy. But the soonest I could see it happening, this very soonest, oh, God, man, what? Auburn, November 2nd? (laughs) It's not going to happen in September, October. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing that either. I think that Matt Luke, and I think this is one situation where being somebody that people like, generally speaking, can give you a few more weeks. It doesn't buy you a ton of time, but I think it will. They're going to give Matt Luke for several reasons. One, because people like him. Two, because like we talked about, the administration is not very settled right now. Um, I, I think there's going to be an opportunity to work out of it. So we're getting ahead of ourselves. Week one overreactions. But like we, t- I understand why Ole Miss fans are really upset, but I want to see Saturday. I want to see a few more weeks before I totally predict the demise of Matt Luke and, and Ole Miss. At B.W. Smith 3, what is your go-to grill food? Hot dogs and burgers don't count. Steak. I'll make a killer steak on a grill. Ribeye. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, steak. At Jenny underscore Moyer again, would it be possible to never, ever, ever, never play Memphis again? I have been vouching or calling for that. For years, there is absolutely no benefit to playing Memphis. Zero. I generally speaking from a journalist perspective, from an interesting storyline perspective, I like the Memphis game because there's some some conflict there, a rivalry from a geographical sense. And there's the whatever you want to call it, the big brother, little brother thing going on. But I can understand from an old Miss standpoint, if you lose to them, it's like the world ends. And if you beat them, it's not that impressive. So if you're going to lose to a team from the AAC, at least make it somebody that's not an hour away. At Larson Frey, is there anything schematically that Rich Rod can do to get the running game on track, or is the O-line that deficient? Yeah, misdirection, screen passes, getting the ball out quickly. There are a lot of things. But if you're wondering offensive line-wise what they can do to improve, this is what you got. What else are they going to go to? Matt Luke said Monday that they're going to play Nick Broker. That's great. He's a true freshman. Outside of Nick Broker, where else are you going to go? Chandler Tewitt can't get healthy. And even if he is healthy, whenever he is healthy, I don't think they trust him all that much. Jalen Cunningham, physically, he's there. Still got some baby weight, but physically, he's there. Mentally, he's not. One play, he looks like an NFL lineman. The second play, he looks like a scrub. Where else are you going? Personnel-wise, there's nowhere else to go. This is why coaches get paid a lot of money. Do you have problems on the offensive line? Yes, but they're your players. Figure it out. Figure out some things you can do, whether that's like we talked about. Can you run the ball? Can you throw the ball? Can you do screens? Can you, you got to figure out something. And if you can't, then you have a terrible year. And then the kind of disaster unfolds that we're talking about. But yeah, this is what coaches are paid to do. You got to figure out something these five or seven or eight or nine offensive linemen can do. And you got to do it to the best of your ability. At Jared Joel, I didn't see any of the Arkansas game. Does Ole Miss beat the Hogs this weekend? I would say no. Not right now. It's hard to be confident. Arkansas did not look good. I watched parts of that game, but um, mostly just highlights, really. Arkansas struggling, too. Uh, it's going to be a hell of after, a pillow fight, David. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like, Can Ole Miss beat Arkansas? Yes, they can. I think they could make some adjustments from week one to week two. 
when you've got one side of the ball that looks promising on defense, I, I think you feel good about that. Maybe the offense makes a jump and you win that game. That is certainly plausible. But right now, I don't think either side is particularly confident going into this game. At Jared Joel, how many sacks will Alabama have against this offensive line? Let's set the over under at six and a half. I'll go over. But I, I do think that Ole Miss will obviously understand the issues coming to them and try to not get sacked. I mean, you have quick plays and everything. But yeah, it's it's going to be, again, these games aren't played in a vacuum. Let's wait three or four weeks before we just start going nuts. But yeah, it doesn't look very good right now. At Dan F. Miller, defense looked better but gave up almost 200 rushing yards and played 80-plus snaps. Memphis' time of possession almost doubled Ole Miss's. Was the defense actually better? Yes. How much were the stats above attributable to the Ole Miss offensive struggles? A lot, if not all of it. What defensive players stood out? Lakia Henry had a great first half, fell off a little bit in the second half. He was fatigued. Luke Knox had a monster game. That kid was showing up everywhere. Sam Williams was great. Loved Benito Jones, the interception. Obvious guy to pick. Jonathan Haynes flashed a little bit. I thought Momo struggled more than I expected him to. Kadir Shepard arrived nearly at every play. Had a problem wrapping up because of the club. Um, Ryder Anderson really did a great job in that 3-4 starting scheme, setting the edge. Had a really good game, and Josiah Coney was pretty good. So those are my guys. At Jared Joel, if Ole Miss somehow wins the next three games, does that save the season? Beat Mizzou, maybe, and New Mexico State, hopefully. How big would the Egg Bowl be going in with five wins, David? David Brandt's coming right back, but first, let me tell you real quick about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, another proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. If you're in the market for a new car, there is no better time to buy at Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Not only do they now have in stock the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, which is half Wrangler, half truck, it's the perfect car for me, but also 20% off select Ram trucks. And I know, I know, no one really loves the car buying process. I'm with you. It can be overwhelming. You're just looking for the best deal. Well, Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is here for you. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. Maybe that'll help when you buy that 2020 Jeep Gladiator, that 4x4 truck you've been looking for. 20% off right now. Select Ram Trucks. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. I, I mean, if they win the next three games, I, I think people are going <laughs> to be having celebrations. I mean, yes, that totally changes the tenor of what happens. That's because, I mean, obviously you go three and one, then you lose to Alabama, but then you can come back and beat Vanderbilt, and then you got a shot at Missouri. We're talking about a whole different thing, but I, I think at this point it's hard to be confident in that. So if that happens, I'll be happy to talk about that but sure it, it changes the whole season at m bullock 77 so i didn't get to watch the game due to work was it as awful as twitter rebs made it out to be yeah it was pretty awful <laughs> yeah sure i mean it's just you know those those 15 to 10 games are only fun if you win them and, and that goes with any win and loss but sometimes like even if you lose a 48 to 41 game at least it's kind of entertaining and there's a lot of drama Boy, that Memphis Old Miss game just kind of dragged for all the wrong reasons. At Southern Sanders, the defense looked much improved coming out of week one, knowing that there were changes to the offense since last season, especially the losses to the wide receiver corps. What is the biggest challenge facing the offense this year? Can they and do you see them overcoming that barrier, the offensive line? And no, 
I don't. Unless this offensive line, as is, stays healthy and performs, there's no way for this offensive line to get any better because they don't have anybody in the barrel to go down to and get. Nick Broker is a great name. I think he's going to be a good three-year starter at the offensive line, but you're having to rely on him now? How? How can that be your sixth offensive lineman? Bryce Matthews. Bryce Matthews could help, but how could Nick Broker be the next guy up? Bryce Matthews should be a starter by now, and he's not. They played Alex Givens and Bryce Matthews rotating him in and out because Alex was on a pitch count. Bryce Matthews has to be something. One of Royce Newman, or two of Royce Newman, Eli Johnson, Bryce Matthews, Michael Howard have to become quality SEC offensive linemen, and they didn't look that way against Memphis. At healthy, thrive. I'll let you handle this one, David. Why has Ole Miss avoided the quick-throw mid-range game that Kelly made us so consistent, effective using? It's either really short or go deep now. When we are going deep, why do we almost never check down to the flats that are usually open? Easy second progression to get the ball out quick. I don't know, because it feels like or looks like from a layman's point of view that Ole Miss has completely forgotten about the middle of the field. I think we've kind of addressed this. No, they didn't do that much. But again, I, I'm going to give it more than one game before I say that Rich Rod forgot about it. At D. Russell 1980, Phil Longo forgot about it. You think they'll play all the freshman offensive linemen if the offensive line looks as bad against Arkansas? I'm all for letting them play to get experience if they're going to be bad anyway. Nick Broker, yes. Maybe Jeremy James, but nobody else. At Blake underscore McMinn, looking at the offensive line, it's easy to tell Matt is going to have to move outside the pocket and throw more on the run. Do you think he can be more accurate, or can you see a scenario where another quarterback gets an opportunity a few games into the season? I think he could be more accurate outside the pocket, yes. But the better runner of all those quarterbacks is John Rice Plumley, and he was handpicked by Rich Rod. So if Matt Corral continues to struggle, I wouldn't be surprised if one week they tested out John Rice Plumley, because I think he's the next guy up if he can catch up. They love him because he's more of a polished and better runner than Matt Corral. Matt can run, but he's not a runner. John Rice is a runner. So I could see that. I think moving the pocket will help Matt, though. And they need Matt Corral to be productive. That's the bottom line. If Matt Corral is not productive, they got no chance. At Coach Eric Dice, according to all reports coming through camp, Snoop Connor was the clear-cut number two behind Scotty, yet he gets five snaps the entire game. I understand not a lot of offensive snaps and trying to get Scotty going, but did he get passed up literally the week of the game? Here's my take on it. There were that few snaps to get him very many. <laughs> they were going to play Jerry on Ely. He's a completely change of pace to Scotty Phillips. Snoop Connor's too similar to Scotty Phillips. So Jerry on Ely, he was going to play. He was going to be the change of pace. He was going to be the misdirection. They could throw him the ball out in space. I was surprised he got very few snaps, but they also only ran like, what, 52, 54 plays? 52. Yeah. Yeah. I just totally, they just couldn't get anything going to get the people they wanted to in the game. And it just, it became an ugly disjointed performance and it's got to change, but I understand why certain people just didn't get the amount of reps that they wanted to. At McCrane Darby, I thought that we ran well with the two tight ends on the line in the second half, but could have done more quick slants and bubble screens, man, to get the ball out to our playmakers quickly and in space. Do you expect to see those offensive adjustments against Arkansas? I do, and they better. They have to. And we've covered that plenty. At B Ham Rebel Club, 
What type of game does Franco Miller have? He's a slasher, not much of an outside shooter right now. Good at going to the rim, explosive. If he's got his knees under him, that's been the problem. He can take a guy off the dribble and drive, and uh, he can also kick it out pretty good. Got a decent mid-range game, not much again from the three-point line, but going to the rim, that's his strength. At David Floyd Walk 1, will we get revenge on Memphis in basketball? I think Ole Miss is a Sweet 16 team, so sure. At David Floyd Walk 1, any news on fall baseball worth sharing? None at all right now. At RZ Wig, thoughts about Taco Bell selling fries and Burger King selling tacos, David? I'm okay with Taco Bell selling fries. Those are actually pretty good. I, I can't. Tacos at Burger King doesn't sound very good, but I, have you had them? No, I haven't. I want to try this Impossible Burger or the Impossible Whopper at Burger King. Apparently, is all organic. It's just a veggie burger that tastes like a Whopper. I want to try it. I'm kind of intrigued, too. I saw that. I can't eat the carbs. So I need you to go to Burger King, try this Whopper, and let me know how it is. I think I can do that for you. Thank you. Appreciate it. At RZ Wig, any injury reports? No, Braylon Sanders was the only injury that, of note, really, had a hamstring injury. But other than that, almost came out good. At Sun N21, the Ole Miss defense got praised for keeping Memphis to 15 points, 13. But I saw a lot of big game plays throughout the game. They were on the field for 80-plus plays. They were on the field the whole game. Are you as bullish on the defense as others? Yes. I suspect your response will consider where Ole Miss was a year ago. Yeah. Somebody talked about the 192 rushing yards Memphis had, and they did, but they ran 51 rushes. That was 3.8 yards per rush. That's acceptable. That's a lot of plays. At Dax J. Barron, did it seem like it took way too long, half the game, for Rich Rod to adjust? Yep. Touched on that about the inside zone against a stunt. I think Rich Rod will get it figured out. But it concerns me it took so long to figure it out. The plan wasn't working. He knew. He just didn't make the adjustment. It was weird. Also, did Corral keep the ball once on his own read? I didn't see. I didn't see him keep it. He should have a couple of times. Maybe he's just not comfortable enough yet. But he better start keeping it now because everybody's going to key in on Scotty Phillips or whichever running back is back there with him. At the Jeremy Neighbors, the only question I have is when do we get a real coach? Is Hugh Freeze able to come back? Buddy, if you're wanting Hugh Freeze back, I got nothing for you. At John Mulkey 8, what can be done to improve the offensive line? Hope these guys get better. <laughs> Keep working them. Pray that your evaluations of them pay off. Jack DeFore was another evaluation of Matt Luke when he signed him. He transferred in the NCAA mess, but he's not even starting for crappy Georgia Tech. Tony Gray transferred out. I think he's starting at Central Florida. It's concerning that he's not starting in Georgia Tech, right? Have you missed on all these offensive linemen? It's got to get better quickly, and all you can do is work them. At Dan underscore Rogers 234, why don't we just play a cupcake for the first game every year? Most everyone else does it. You're preaching to the choir. Eli Manning would open with Murray State. Why doesn't Ole Miss do this? No, I agree. Well, especially in a situation, this was a really, Memphis is pretty good this year. Ole Miss is breaking in a redshirt freshman quarterback. This was not a easy game, and you could see this coming from a mile away. And so certainly I think there's, and it's tough now because Ole Miss has games scheduled until we're in our 50s, but would I think most years you would like to ease into your schedule a little more than they did this year. That's it. We're done. When are you going to be back around this way? Um, I will be in Mississippi probably a couple times in October. We're selling our house over there and buying a house here, so i got to go back and move everything back and do all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. You ever going to come back for an Ole Miss game? Yeah, I actually may. It's tough because I'm covering the NFL, so 
It'd be somewhere on a Saturday and then somewhere on a Sunday. But it's more likely that I'd be at like a basketball game or something or check it out. But I will, you know, my brother still lives in Mississippi. Oh. Uh, he lives down in Jackson. So I'll be back. All right. So the next time you're here, we're getting lunch, right? That's right. All right. What are you working on? Like I said, the Diamondbacks are, are playing pretty well, one seven of eight. So they're kind of interesting in the wild card race. And then Cardinals are just fascinating this year with Kyler Murray and David Johnson, Christian Kirk, Cliff Kingsbury. The jury is out, obviously, if they're actually going to be good or not, but they're certainly going to be interesting. And the concepts they're bringing as far as kind of air raid-ish type stuff is, is different in the NFL. And I, I think it's a good story no matter what happens. Well, thank you for doing this, my friend. If you haven't already, subscribe at Review Talk of Champions and iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just search Talk of Champions. If you're not there, hit me up on Twitter at Spirit Ben. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. Check out David on Twitter at David Brandt AP. He now covers teams in Arizona. No longer the Mississippi Associated Press guy. But you cut out some time in your now big, crazy schedule to do this lowly podcast. So I appreciate you, buddy. We'll do it again. Oh, come on, man. That's always fun. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.